thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Luke chapter 22. Open your Bibles there again. Luke chapter 22. That's where we're going to jump off into here in just a few moments. As if, if you think back last week, uh, how many of you remember the name of my sermon last week? What was it? What was it? Get over it. You know, that, those type of sermon titles, those are the ones you don't forget. You know, this one, when your faith is under attack, you won't remember that week because it's, it doesn't grab you. You know, last week, get over it. So last week we talked about this idea that, you know, hey, offenses are going to come in your life. You're going to have times where you face challenges and, and Satan's going to work in that way. And we talked about, hey, just get over it. Sometimes you got to get over those things to get to Jesus. So what I wanted to do this week is last week was kind of the blunt object of, hey, we got sometimes we just have to get over things. This week is when those moments come, how, how, how do we, realistically, how do we deal with those things? How can we, when our faith is under attack, when we face offenses in our life, how do we get over those things? How, how do we lean into God uh, instead of leaning in and on ourselves? And so uh, it's kind of a part one, part two. Um, like I said, you, you probably won't remember this title like you remember the last one, but maybe some of these things will stick with you as we kind of talk about them today, and you can link them together. Well, let's start, because we're going to break down some of the kind of the introductory type stuff. We'll start with our text. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Let's stop right there. For a second, let me ask this question, and it's a question that I've asked before, and I pretty well know the answer. How many of you have made plans for your week? How many of you got plans for your week? How many of you, like, plan life? Like, you, you kind of have this general idea. I think we all do this. We have this general idea of this is how life is going. Okay, and we're making plans to kind of move forward and to move in positive ways. For our seniors, you know, you're, you're at that time of the year where you're planning for the end of kind of one part of your journey and the beginning of another part of your journey. It's, you know, you've got these plans and thoughts in place. We are planning top people, okay? We're planning top people. That's just kind of how we are in nature. Our jobs are that way. Our life is that way. But there are times that as we are planning our life, Satan likes to come along and go, I'm going to throw you off course, I'm going to fix it to where you, what you thought was going to happen. I'm going to throw a wrinkle in that because as long as things are going by our plan, realize what I said, as long as things are going by whose plan, our plan, we think everything's okay, right? As long as things are going the way that I want them to go and the way that I need them to go and the way I've planned for them to go, I'm cool, I'm calm, I'm not stressed out. It's when things all of a sudden take a left turn separate from what I've planned that things tend to get stressful. Now, that may be God's plan, but sometimes God's plan, whether we want to admit it or not, causes stress in our life, doesn't it? Because it's not what we planned. Not to say that his plan is not better, it's just not what we wanted to do. So it brings a little bit of stress into our life. Well, here's Peter, and Peter is, is man, he's living with Jesus, he's, he's doing this Jesus thing, and, and Jesus is telling him, hey, look, Satan's going to come after you guys. 
Satan's going to come after you guys. I, I find the conversation similar to uh, the book of Job because it says that Satan asked to sift all of you as wheat. And, and that took me back to Job where Satan comes into the, you know, into the presence of God and he goes, hey, how about this Job guy? Can I, can I take him on? Because I bet if I take some of these blessings away that he's going to turn his back on you. And, and I kind of think that may be the same conversation that's going on here. Okay? Satan's going, hey, let me, let, me have your, let me have these apostles. Let me challenge them, see if they stay with you. And he says, that's actually the plan here, Peter. And what does Peter say? He goes, no, I've got my plan. This is what's going to happen. Regardless of what happens to you, Jesus, guess where I'm going to be? I'm going to be right there with you. That's my plan. That's my desire. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to be. And, and Jesus goes, no, that, that's not it. That's not it. He says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. So here's the, the truth of it all. Sometimes our plans don't work. Sometimes as we plan our life, as we plan our, even our service to God, when we think we're grounded and in a good place, Satan's going to come and he's going to tempt us and he's going to try to knock us out and, and try to bring us down. Let's, let's kind of zoom out and talk big picture for just a moment, okay? Big picture here. In a couple of weeks, Jonathan's going to join us. Anytime a new minister joins your staff and, jo and joins your church, regardless of their role, it brings a level of excitement, doesn't it? There's, there's a newness, there's a rejuvenation, especially coming out of COVID in a time where we've not really been able to do things, that things are now, you know, opening up and we're able to do more things and our kids are going to be able to be together. And, and a lot of these things, as you see on the calendar, it's not just kids. There's, there's a big family aspect to that. So we're going to be together a lot more. There's, there's an excitement about that, a positiveness. And as a church... When positive things start happening in your church, guess what the devil's going to do? Try to bring the negative. So let's not be surprised as a church that as we move forward in the positive way that the devil doesn't come in and go, hey, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to ruin the party a little bit. I'm, I'm going to try to, to bring some discord and some distrust and some challenges. So let's not be unaware of that, that that's spiritual warfare. But today I want us to talk about it maybe a little more individualized, okay? As we have these moments like Peter of, hey, my life is going to go this direction. I've got this plan. Satan comes in and he takes my knees out from under me. How do I respond to those challenges? What's the first thing from our text this morning? Trust in Jesus more than you trust your emotions. Trust in Jesus more than you trust in your emotions. How many of you are problem solvers? How many of you like to think of yourself as a problem solver? That there's a problem there, I'm gonna, uh, that, that's, that's where I, I, I work the best. You know, I, I can get in there, I can see the pieces, I can solve those things, and I can make things better. A lot of times in our life we do that. We get emotional about when things fall apart. So what we want to do is we want to try to use our emotions to motivate us to get in the middle of that and to fix that. But many times, what happens? Uh, you know, um, was it the Bill Cosby show that he's always trying to do things around the house and he makes them work, trying to fix things? I know home improvement was kind of that way. Every time Tim Taylor tried to fix something in his own house, it just like messed it up even more. You know, how many of you have seen in your own life where when I try to fix my own problems, I have a tendency of sometimes making them worse? 
He's like, no, no, I got them, man. I'm, I'm good. You know, and so, so we get emotionally involved and invested. And we're like, I can fix this my way. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, Satan uses that emotion to pull us and our focus away from God and onto our, ourself. And we think, I can do this. I can make this better. I, and when it does work out, we then stand back and go, well, I didn't need God for that. I did that. So he works at us in that way sometimes. Sometimes he works at us, he gets us separated from God, and he says, hey, you know what? God's not there for you. Last week we talked about the, the offense of Jesus ignoring this lady that came to him. We talked about them being hurt by the church. Satan likes to get us off by ourselves and say, God's ignoring you right now. And you feel those emotions of isolation. You feel those emotions of loneliness. And, and that couldn't be any further from the truth. No one loves you any more than Jesus. No one loves you any more than Jesus. Now, you may be at a time in your life where you're questioning that, but I believe at your core, since you're here, you believe that. There's a, there, there is a truth in that that you understand. And so we have to understand that sometimes he plays on our emotions to get us to pull away and to isolate us so that he can have control of that. The other side of that, too, I think, is those negative emotions that come out. All right, those emotions of anger, those frustrations that pour out. You know, if, if you know, so-and-so did this to me, I'm just going to let them know how I feel. I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. And that negative emotion comes out, and what does it do? It might make you feel better in the moment, it pulls you a little bit further away from God. As opposed to this idea of faith first. Okay, if our emotions aren't following our faith or the things that God has laid out, the way we should act, the way we should respond, that's when we need to take a step back and say, hey, I need to take a breath. I need to think about this for a moment. And I believe Jesus did those things. I believe Jesus did those things. Jesus dealt with some of the most frustrating people of, of, of his day. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the scribes, they thought they had all the answers. And their whole thing was trying to get Jesus to trip up and to cause Jesus problems. And, um, you know, and so nothing Jesus did was ever right to them. They, uh, even when he was right, they were trying to find a way to make him wrong. So there's this one day that they bring this woman. She was caught in, in, in adultery, okay, because of the kids. We're not going to go into depth with that, but you know what she's doing, right? Brings her and drags her in front of Jesus. And what does it say? The law says we do this. The law says we kill her. You deal with frustrating people? Raise your hand if you deal with frustrating people. How many of you would love to just let your emotion get the best of you and let them know how frustrated you are sometimes. Jesus, I think, probably dealt with that. Just, man, this is just commentary, okay? And so in this particular story, what does Jesus do? He stops, and he begins to ride in the, in the dirt in front of him. And there's been a lot of speculation about what that is, what he wrote. Some people say it's the sins of all those standing around him. I wonder sometimes if he was having one of those moments where if he didn't stop and catch his breath, the emotions were going to come out. So maybe he stopped for a moment and he's just kind of drawing in the ground, keeping those emotions in check, following faith instead of his own personal emotions. Because when we don't do that, our emotions can blow up and cause big problems. 
So we have to trust Jesus more than we trust our emotions in times of challenge in your life. All right, let's keep going. Let's, let's look at something else here. Maybe. There it goes. Yeah. Cooperate with God's character building process. Cooperate with God's character building process. So how many of you have coached in your life at any, at any level, coached in your life? All right. How easy is it to get a group of kids to buy into what you're selling? Your goal is to make kids better, right? As you coach, your job is to make kids better. How often does that really work on a day-to-day basis? I mean, over time, but how often do you leave practice and you're like, complete failure? You ever have those days? Complete failure. They didn't listen. They did not what? They did not cooperate with what I was trying to do. You know, God does not want you to suffer. God does not want, God does not enjoy seeing your faith come under attack. But what he realizes is that in those moments, those are some of the greatest opportunities for you to grow and to mature. Kids love having fun playing sports. Would you agree with that, coaches? If you, can, if you make it fun, they enjoy it, especially the younger they are. But as, as you make it more challenging, as you make it more challenging and you're trying to break down old habits and build up new ones, that's where they really struggle because now it's not fun anymore, it's work. And they don't enjoy that. And the same is true with us. Hey, we enjoy worship. We enjoy singing with each other. We enjoy fellowship. We're even going to enjoy painting together and working together. We enjoy all these together moments. We enjoy the fellowship of it all. But man, when our faith is under attack, that's when we're like, I'm not so sure about this church thing. But there's a reason and a purpose behind it. James chapter 1, if you've set... In a class or a lesson with me over a month period, you're going to hear me use this passage at least once, if not more. Because it fits so much. It fits so much. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's a purpose for that trial. doesn't mean God enjoys seeing you suffer. Don't ever think that. God does not enjoy seeing you suffer, but he realizes that your testing, sometimes that suffering, brings you to a breaking point that you will then lean on him more than you ever have before. He goes on and he says, he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature or you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Sometimes that growth doesn't happen without the challenges. David understood that. Peter is going to understand it. The end of this story of Peter and Jesus, in the gospel account anyway, happens as they're standing on the shore one day, and Jesus looks at him and goes, hey, do you love me? He goes, yeah, Jesus, you know that I love you. He goes, go take care of my sheep. And then he asks him again, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. Go feed my sheep. And then he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And, and the scripture actually says he got frustrated. He's like, I've already told you twice, man. What do you need? Yes, I love you. The end of the story ends with this great love and appreciation for Jesus that I wonder would he have ever really gotten there 
had he not gone through this challenge? Because you know the story. He's asked three times, do you know who Jesus is? He goes, no, I don't know who Jesus is. I have no clue who this guy is. I've never seen him before. And then he's so broken by that. What does he do? He goes into the back alley and he weeps because his spirit is so broken. And it's in that moment that he truly understands forgiveness and grace. And he grows so much closer to Jesus. But he had to go through this character-building process to get there. Understand, God doesn't want you to suffer. His plan is not for you to suffer. But if you will allow him, he'll use that suffering to bring you to a place where you have grown and you're closer to him than you've ever been. So cooperate with God's character-building process. Here's the next thing and the last thing for you. Get your focus off of yourself. Take your focus off of yourself. What was Peter's focus? Hey, Peter, Satan wants to do this to you. No, I'm going to be right there with you, God. I'm going to be right there with you, Jesus. When it comes time to die, I'm going to be right there with you. Now, do you think he meant that? When he said it, do you think he meant what he said? I do. I believe that he was so convicted in that moment that he's like, if it means dying with you, Jesus, I'm right there with you. And the reason I believe that is because a little bit later they're on the top of the Mount of Olives and here comes this mob, all right, here comes this mob to, to arrest Jesus. And what does Peter do? He stands up in front of the whole group and he pulls his sword off and he cuts the ear off of some guy. Now let me ask you this morning, how many of you have ever cut someone's ear off in the name of Jesus? Any of y'all ever been that committed before? Probably couldn't get away with that today, you know. He meant it. But sometimes it's so easy to make these, these grand commitments when things are going great, right? When things are easy, when I'm in the upper room, we're having lunch together, and it's not challenging. It's just, it's just this core group of guys. Yeah, Jesus, I'll be right there with you. And then... As they're on the Mount of Olives, he allows his emotion to lead him. I mean, he, he's geared up. He's ready to go. But after he comes down from that, and he's by himself and he's alone, he, he falls. He stumbles. He goes through that character-building process. But then when he gets to the other side of it, this is where we have to be careful. How easy would it have been for him to walk into the group and goes, hey, you should have heard the conversation I just had with Jesus. He told me to go feed his sheep. Now, he didn't tell you guys that, did he? Anybody else have this conversation with Jesus? Nope, no, I didn't think so. Even after all I've done, look at, I'm still his favorite. You know, it'd be easy to come through our struggles and go through our problems and come to the other side of it and go, hey, look what I did. Look how I overcame this challenging moment in my life. Now, listen to what he says. He says, after you've come, we're to remix it. He comes and says, after you go through this, Peter, he says, help strengthen your brothers. And what he's saying is there's going to be times that you go through challenges and you go through problems and you're going to grow and you're going to come on the other side of that and you're going to be closer to God. You're going to be a stronger individual in your faith. And in that moment, your job is not to go, hey, look at me. It's to turn around and see who's behind you in that battle and grab them and pull them through because you know what it takes. You know how to get to the other side. And that's what he tells Peter. He says, use your experience to strengthen other people. One guy that I listened to one time, he said, our mistakes do not define who we are in Christ. But we, we, we have a tendency of doing that. 
don't we? We have a tendency of being that way. We, we like to talk about negative things a lot of times more than positive things. Why is that? Because negative things are more exciting to talk about. Negative things are more exciting to talk about. This is what we tend to do. We tend to see a mistake that Sean makes in his relationship with Mandy. And we sit at the table and we go, hey, can you believe how awful Sean treats Mandy? Can you believe that? Can you believe what he said to her the other day? Did you hear that? Did you hear what Sean said to Mandy at church? I'm surprised she didn't slap him off his feet. Those conversations are more fun than, boy, Sean's the most amazing husband. I mean, he just loves Mandy. I, I mean, you know, uh, honey, I wish you could be that way. You know, and then it's a completely negative conversation goes from there. Why are we that way? Because people's, we, we like to hang on to people's negative things in their life because it's a more interesting conversation. In it, it, Sean? It's more fun to talk about negative things. But as Christians, our negative experiences, our failures do not define us in Christ. But what they should define, and this is what this guy says, is that they should define how we minister to other people. They should define how we minister to other people. Maybe Sean's got this chocolate chip cookie addiction that he's finally kicked, and he's overcome that. And that's not the challenge that he's facing anymore. And instead of going, hey, look at me, I'm clean and free now, he turns around and he says, hey, who else has this problem? And how can I help you? Take the focus off of yourself and put it on God and what he's done. Another way that Paul says it is this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Isn't that great to know? God comforts us in all of our troubles. But it's not just about us. There's a part of it that is. He loves us. He's going to give this to us. He does it to help us, to encourage us. But he does it for a second reason as well, and it's just as equal to the first. He says, so that we can comfort those in any any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. One of the things that we have done in church is we have made this hour the most important of our whole week, haven't we? If you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought, if uh, so-and-so hadn't been here in three weeks, oh, they've backslidden. I hadn't seen so-and-so in the church building in so long. Paul says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Did he say go to church and you'll fulfill the law of Christ? Is that what he said? Everybody's like, I'm afraid to answer because this seems wrong. No. What defines us as Christians is not how often we sit in the church building. It's how much we love each other. Jesus said, they will know who you follow by the way you want. Love each other. Love each other. When you take the focus off of yourself and what you don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that being here is not important. I'm just saying it can't be the, the, the tip of the spear. The way we love each other and take care of each other and comfort each other and, and love our neighbor as ourself, people know who we follow. That's how people know that we're Christians, not because of the doors we walk out of on a Sunday morning. This is part of it. This is part of our walk. But it can't start and stop here. It's got to be lived when you walk out those doors. And it's lived in love by taking the focus off of you and saying, God's given me these things. God's helped me through these moments. God's delivered me. Now I'm going to show you what God has showed me so that you can make it as well. 
that's part of overcoming when the challenge is hit. You know, this life is hard, isn't it? God has given us some things along the way that makes it easier, that makes it more enjoyable. But there are times in this life that, hey, it's just hard, isn't it? Shake your head yes, so I know you're with me this morning. It's hard. You're going to come under attack. But he says, hey, I've got a way for you to get out. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, hey, nothing has seized you, nothing has challenged you, nothing has faced you that's not common to man. And he goes, when you are challenged, God is faithful, and he's going to provide a way out. All right, so when your faith comes under attack, understand God says there's a way for you to get out of that moment and to persevere. You do it by trusting in him, cooperating with him, and taking the focus off yourself. That's how we take these moments of challenge, of insult, of, of all these things that we talked about last week. That's how we get over it. That's how we overcome. So hopefully this helps you and grounds you a little bit more in your relationship with God today. Let's close in a prayer, and then the lesson will be yours. God, I thank you for just being with us. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and your just the way you take care of us, God. And help us to turn around and love the same way. God, we're going to face challenging times. Our faith is going to come under attack. We're going to have moments where we've got to put the gloves on and fight Satan. Help us to know that you're right there with us. You're not in the corner, God. You're right there with us fighting with us and fighting for us and holding us up and pushing us forward. Help us to lean in on you, God, not to lean in on ourselves, but to focus on you and to let you be the center of our life. Be our King of kings and our Lord of lords, God. God, be with our church family as they may be. You know, some of them may be in a time of, of struggle right now. Help them to take your words and your thoughts today and to find strength to overcome. Just bless them, God. Be a shield around them. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.